you glad we're serving a God and knows our thoughts. And how we're thankful that uh, this this scripture and this song is that can only make it a reality in this age. And in all the other ages, so we can see that God knows us, God knows us, but God knows us in this age through the ministry of the prophet and discern the hearts of the people to literally show to us, I know what you're thinking about. And how wonderful that is. And so, uh, Brother John just told me, I think uh, Sister Deborah Hillebrand's sister uh, is here. Uh, if you can raise your hands. Uh, well, God bless you. I'm so glad you can uh, come to visit us. And may the Lord uh, bless them. Well, if you don't mind, I'll just uh, invite you to uh, go to the scripture uh, directly. Let's turn to the um, uh, book of Hosea. Book of Hosea, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet. Love a woman beloved of her friends, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver, and for a homer of a barley, and a half homer of a barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So would I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return, and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the later days. May the Lord bless us this word of this about our head again. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we turn over to the pages, read of the scripture. Lord, I know you have been dealing with me in this scripture for many, many months. Lord, I just commit myself into your hands. Lord, and may you make your word become a reality to us. Lord, to meet every person's need. Lord, how we're thinking about that there's a many need has been spoken. Lord, Brother Paul Neighbor and Brother Hugh Message. Our brother Louisa Diaz and the difference and the sister Helen Billisberger. Lord, that this, uh, these are the needs that have been mentioned before the congregation. But Lord, I never thought about how many needs that we cannot even be spoken. How many needs that the people has been battling. Has been, uh, some of these are the physical need. Some of these are the mental need. But Lord, there's a, no need is too great for you cannot do. There's a, no need is too small that you ignore it. Lord, every children is your children, Lord. Lord, every need, Lord, is, is personal to you. So Lord, we don't ask a man to meet the need because the man cannot do anything. But Lord, we ask our dear Heavenly Father that who provided all our need, let him meet to the need of each person. Lord, that they come here to hear in the word of God. Lord, only you can speak the word of God. So that the word of God be proceeded from your mouth and go directly to the hearts of your children. We thank you, Lord. Feed your own sheep. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
And sometimes the, the scripture um, that we read, uh, it seems like very strange to us. Uh, the God is doing things um, sometimes in the strangest way. If we don't see this as many times that God doing things in the strangest way. Um, but um, when God is uh, writing any scripture that in the Bible, I believe this is for us benefit. And he's not just trying to scolding us. He's not trying to um, uh, make some things as um, tantalize uh, our emotion or things. But he put the word into the Bible. And when the Holy Spirit anointed his own word, then the word become a reality to us that it can be the beneficial for our needs. And whatever that walk that we have with the Lord, Whatever, the, how many years that uh, we are uh, in a message, I believe that God always can uh, just take it as a little bit higher, a little bit of closer walk uh, that with Him. And so, um, so the, the scripture that we uh, just read in the book of Hosea, uh, chapter uh, three. Uh, if you uh, if you read uh, the, uh, the chapter one and the two, and um, you know there's some of the verses is there uh, to us was very um, unusual. And he asked even the prophet to marry an uh, adulterous woman. Uh, you, you wouldn't even think about it in the reality that the people would do. If you put it in this age, if you put it at a prophet to do the things like this, or the minister to do things like this, it will be horrendous. That the people will never even think that the God will allow it. But you have to know that the God used the prophets as a symbol, as a sign that to that age. So the, it seems like it is strange, but it's not strange in it in God's eye. So when God is using something to do that, and it's also reflected at what he is feeling for this age. So if the Lord willing, and I'll try to um, bring this uh uh, the two, you maybe, uh, uh just, uh, have to, um, probably to break it up in, uh, uh, in a two service or whatever that's, uh, uh, we'll see how the Lord's, uh, leads it along that. And, um, in, uh, invisible union, uh, of the bride of Christ, uh, Reverend Adams, uh, uh, speaking about, uh, he said, uh, how? He said, notice what she loves. He said, watch her lover. He said, you want to see how she's in love ways. He was talking about the church, about the Eve. He said that the word says this, but she said, my church says this. Then who she's in love with and who is her husband? Her own fruits prove what she is. Is that exactly right? It shows what she is. Notice that she was born first to Adam because that's her natural birth. See, and she never left that. That's the lover of the world. She claims that she is born the second time to Christ, but her lover, notice, is Adam yet because she loves the world. And you find that in this age, there's many people that will confess them to be a Christian. I don't think there's any age have a more Christian than what we have in this age. In a Roman's age, it was a very small number. And uh, in the Roman Catholic uh, uh, the time, in the Dark Ages, most of the Christians are just uh, uh, centered around in Europe. But uh, nowadays, uh, you, uh, we know that in the Westerners' age, we know that the Luther's age. But nowadays, you go to every convent, you saw Christians. You go almost to every country that the people uh, well, said, uh, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, even I go to China, and they, they, though that's a communist country, but there's a lot of uh, Christians. And so uh, no matter what denomination they goes to, but they call them, declare themselves as a Christian. And you dare not to say them uh, they're not. And in the whole China, I just remember, I just read the, the figure, and they said that in the whole China, they had about 200 million uh, Christians. Uh, that's uh, 
And that's what both the three selves church and the house church are put together. And the 200 million, I'm not good at math, uh, compared to, uh, or, or, uh, to, uh, 1.4 billion people, that's, uh, 9% or 8% or whatever, uh, that is, you can, uh, calculate it. But there's a lot of Christians is there. And so the, all of them, they, they said, well, if you ask, uh, are you a Christian? Oh, I, you know, I am. And I go to a certain church. And I know this is my sounds so strange for you, but the China is not like the, uh, used to be. That's a Christian is a small number. There's a lot of Christians. You go to Vietnam, there's a lot of Christians there. Every country that you go, and the people call themselves a Christian. But how to, uh, how to judge or how to measure if the person is the Christians or not? It's not just the person who declared himself that I'm a Christian, but their life must show that they are a Christian. And so the brother Bram in the Thyatarian church age, then he said, um, I have seen right along that there are actually two churches. Though the Spirit speaks to both of them in each age as though they were but one. When the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, it seems like it is speaking to every people, every Christian. But in the message, it doesn't tell us that way. There is a true church of God. There is a false church of God. And so in the same message, Brother Bram said, Now, why does God call these churches His churches, even though they are the false vine? He said, the truth of the matter is that they are Christians. But they are not Christians of the Spirit. They are Christians of the flesh. In the church infrastructure... That although everybody, they call them a Christian, that's a, don't take it about to the denominational name, they have the Baptist and the Methodist, and the sort of Pentecostal or whatever, the denominational name that they give it to them, or even we put it in our time, or put it in our version, that we call this message church. We call we're the message believer. That can also be counted to that, because if you call yourself as a message believer, your life must show as the message believer. And so the soul, the, the brother said that they are, uh, he said that the truth of the matter is that they are Christians. If they call them a Christians, and God, they recognize them as a Christians. And he said, but they are not a Christians of the spirit. They are Christians of the flesh. He said that they are bearing the name in vain. Mark 7 and 7 said, how bit in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of man. But he said, but indeed, they are Christians. For what else could they be? A Mohammedan is a Mohammedan. That's Muslim. He said that that is his religion, no matter how he lives it, because he subscribes in theory to what the Quran teaches. I think we all can understand that. If they call them a Muslim, no matter they're extreme Muslim or they're a, a jack Muslim, no matter they're a, they're the terrorist Muslim or whatever that they are, they all be considered as a Mohammedan because they agree to the certain theory that in what they believe in the Quran teaches. He said, in the same way, a Christian is a Christian as long as he subscribe to the fact. That Jesus is the Son of God, born of a virgin, was crucified and died and rose again. That He is the Savior of mankind, 
etc. It's that in fact, in the Laodicean age, there will be those who call themselves Christians because they subscribe to the fine qualities of Jesus while reversing to them, or, or while reserving to themselves the right to deny His deity. They saw the certain characteristic of a Christ. The good quality of a Christ. And, uh, they can be a, um, good citizenship. They can good be a, uh, they can be a good people. And so they love the, the society or do according, uh, they will, they probably won't even tell a lie. They would do uh, whatever they can, try to follow, uh, the commandments that Jesus gave it to them. But it has to be God living inside of them. It's not just a subscribe or agree with a certain, with the doctrine or with the, what Jesus has been talking about. And all these churches, you are asking them, oh, no matter what the denomination it belongs to, they all, they all agree with a certain truth that in the Bible. That Jesus died. Uh, there's an Easter coming. You go to the, the churches. The church is probably full of people. Just like in a Christmas. Because that's the two season That they all come to church. And they, uh, they go to the Easter. And they celebrate the resurrection. And they're going back to the, the party right out of the way. You ask them, are you Christian? Of course they said that I'm a Christian. And then you'll find out sometime even that the believer will come to that point. It becomes very hard to discern who is the true believer, who is not the true believer. It's not everybody who claims themselves as a message of believer are message of believer. Message of believer is supposed to believe the message life, not to subscribe the message life or the word. And they said the Christian scientists that have done that already, as well as a multitude who preached the social gospel. And then he said he is a, a nominal Christian and belongs to the church, but he's not a true or spiritual believer. That kind of a believer is one who has been baptized into the body of a Christ and is a member of him. And if we were talking more closer to our room, getting a little tighter or narrower, narrowing down, that the people can call themselves a message believer, can be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God can... Quote it a scripture, can quote it in a message, can read the same message book that you're reading, can listening to the same tape that you're listening. Maybe it goes to a message of church, and it just has you going to a message of church. But to the judge of that, it's the person must leave the life of Jesus Christ, who revealed through this word that in this hour... It's not just to declare yourself or call yourself or call ourselves as a message of believer. It's to, to live the life of Jesus Christ. Because if the life of Christ is not a manifest in the person's life, no matter how they subscribe to be a message of believer, to go to the church, to be baptized, to listening to the message or reading to the message, if the life doesn't manifest, it shows the inoculation hasn't taken effect. It shows that the medication of the message they haven't taken yet. They may be looking at it, and they may be quoting at it, but it's not taking an effect into the person's life. Only the believer can take the whole word of God. 
And if the person who take the whole word of God, they will leave the word of God. If the word said to repent, they will repent. If the word is taking a correction of them, they will take the correction. No matter how take the hide out of them, but it still will take the correction. If the word said them to do certain things, no matter how hard it is, they will follow to what is the word has said to do. If the word asks them to repent, if it doesn't matter how pride that they have, when they're facing the word of God, they will take it away to the pride of them. But coming before the altar, say, Lord, I repent before for you. No matter what anybody else has said, or no matter what anybody else has quoted, but if the word making it a reality to you, you don't care what anybody else said, you leave the life of Jesus Christ. And if you yield yourself to the life of Jesus Christ, to the word of God, that life will leave it himself through you. In the entire church age, sorry, in the resume of the age, he said that we, we learn in no certain term that it's a false vine, it's the vine of Satan. This gathering is of him, Satan. They meet in the name of God and lie that they are Christ. They preach, they teach, they baptize, they worship, they partaker of a various rite given by Christ to the church, yet they are not of God. You think about how dangerous that is. Let's don't think about anybody else. Let's think about it. This is talking to us. We're not thinking this is just for the other age. This is for this age too. Because the prophet said, especially in this last age, this will become more applicable than ever. Because this is the age of a lukewarm. This is the age that is a gray. Is between the white and the black. It seems there's no black anymore, no white anymore. Anything will just become a gray. You can subscribe to the certain theory and you can set yourself to, uh, set yourself to you're a message believer. But sooner or later you'll find out that the lukewarmness of the little descendant church is sort of creeping in into the people. Then they'll compromise their standard. That the people, that the way they're talking, people that the way they're doing things, that it become a lesser and lesser down with the standard. The bar starts to getting lower, getting lower anymore. And they can preach, they can baptize, they can worship, they can partake in the various rites they are given by Christ to the church. They can take the communion, they can do the foot washing. There's a certain rites, there's a certain, it seems like an outer appearance that only a message of believer do. But it seems like everybody claiming themselves as a believer, all those things they do too. And it's very hard to discern that who is and who is not. We're not talking about the Baptists or the Methodists. We're less narrowed down to our realm, to our categories over here. Only the life will show it. And only the believer can take the whole word of God. It's not just a part of the word of God. When the word of a God is to speak to them, and when the crisis to make it become a reality to them, it become personal to them, then they subscribe, and not just to the certain doctrines or, cer- or certain theory, but they subscribe to the life of a Christ. Yeah. Yeah. But Abraham said, about the things they say they are, God will hold them responsible. And in each age, He speaks of them and speaks to them. 
I think it's time for us need to be more sobering than ever. This gospel is not a wishy-washy gospel. This message is not something just, uh, everybody's good, everybody's going to the heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. Only the believer follow the word of God goes to heaven. Let's just face it. There are people that in the message church is not going to heaven, but will be left behind. I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. We don't want to be just a subscriber of the message. We want to be the liver of the message. There is so much a subscriber on the YouTube. We're not a subscriber of a Christianity. We're the one that follows and lives the life of Christ. Because they said they are. So God will hold them responsible. To hold them responsible, that means He will judge them by the standard that you claim you belong to. He will judge you because He holds you responsible because you said you are a believer. I said I'm a believer. Then God will hold me responsible for what I said. He don't disagree with you. He doesn't disagree with Murphy saying, no, you're not a believer. He said, you are a believer. I will hold you responsible. You say you are a believer, that he will hold you responsible for what you said. He said, I'm not going to say, are you a believer or you're not. I'm not going to say, are you a, me- are you a believer in a message or you're not. You said you believe, I will hold you responsible. If the message has certain things, if you find out it's hard to swallow, that is the time that He will hold you responsible. No matter how hard it is to swallow it, but because the Word has said that, Lord, I'm not just a subscriber. Lord, I want to take it. As the pastor has to preach the Word, drink ye all of it. No matter how bitter that is, drink it. No matter how hard to swallow, swallow it. He said he will hold you responsible. And not only he holds you responsible, the deceiving part is he speak of them and he speak to them. He speak of them when they read the message, they said, this is for me. When they read the master, they said, my goodness, God, you're talking about me. When they read the roots, they said, Lord, you're talking about me. And they can preach the message, they can speak about the message, they're thinking, this is all for them. God said, I will hold you responsible. You're saying this is for you? Okay, this is for you. Prove it. Leave it. Not L-E-A-V-E, but L-I-V-E it. He said, speak of them, and he speak to them. That's the most deceiving part. You can read in a message, you can listening to a message, and you find out that a message actually speaking to you. You come into the church, you're listening to the preaching, you come on a Wednesday, you come on a Sunday, you literally hear the word speaking to you. You literally agree with the word has said about you. And then you go home, 
how you'll live a different life. If they said that they're a Methodist, God will judge them with the Methodist. I'm going to judge them as a Methodist. They're not following the whole word of God. Because God didn't reveal to them in a message. He only judged them by what is the God has put it in them. Because of whatever God is the fair. If He doesn't give you it in a message, He won't judge you with the message. He judged them because they're just a denominational believer. And that they do all their best to do whatever they, uh, they need to do. I don't know what is the position or the place, uh, the place that God will give it to them, but a standard is different. But if we claim we are the message of believer, then they judge us differently. He judges us with the message standard that we claim that we have. And God speak off them. And God to speak to them too. If a person said them to himself as a message believer, then they want to follow every word that God has said. Then their life has to be manifest what is the message has taught them. And some people, they said, well, if this is so hard, I might as well just go back to my Baptist. I might just go back to the Methodist. I might just go back to the Pentecostal. And you know God is judging them as well. And in the judgment of God, that if they rejected the truth of this as our, and they crucified Jesus Christ again, they will be indicted. Still, there is a judgment. And there are some people that said, well, the message was so hard, I'll just go back to the world so that the Lord won't judge me as the standard of the message. And some people can do that, but you know that the people who go back to the world, God will let them perish with the world too. No matter where you go, you got nowhere to hide. No matter what you do, you're still going to be judged. It's not trying to let us retreat to some places, thinking, you know, I try to hide from God so that I won't be judged. No, the judgment of God is to everyone. You cannot wash him off of your hand. Look at the pilot that it did. He can't just wash Jesus out of, off of his hand. He said, oh, I have nothing to do with this. Of course he has something to do with it. When God put this as a message in, this is the standard that he will use as the judges with. The only way for us to do is not to try to pretending to be a believer. And not to try to avoid that you're not to be a believer. But you reach to a point of no return. That it gave your whole heart to the Lord. And I received the life of Jesus Christ. By receiving the whole word of God wholeheartedly. Then you also have to understand that God is not just a taskmaster. He's not trying to just find any chance to try to whip you. Then for, for the least mistake that you made. He's a merciful God. He provides you the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Not what you can do, but He's already done that. He gave you His own life as long as you want to receive it. It's not just the hard life that's, you know, I got to live the life of Jesus Christ. I got to live the life of Jesus Christ. It's not you live the life of Jesus Christ. But when you receive the word, you receive Christ the person. When he come into you to live a life of the message, to live a life of a Christ, it's just something automatically do. It's not something that you try to pretend in. It's not something that you try to force yourself into it. There's a driven power in the person. Drive that person to Christ. And Brother said, he said, I will not deny that God spoke to them. But it was just like when he spoke to Balaam the second time. As he knew that Balaam wanted his own hard desire above the word, and he gave it to him. Yet all the while in the end, having it his own way. Even so today, God tells folks to go ahead in their own heart's desire, for they have already rejected the word. But the will of God will be done regardless. Amen. Amen. I hope you see this. He will not only clear it up much of what is in old age, but it will especially help in this last age, which has so much manifestation, external blessings, when the whole period is so against the word, re- reveal the will of God. He said it was especially will be helped in this last age. Because this age is the most deceiving age. And if possible, the elected, the elect will be deceived as well. But he said, it's the people, they said, why? He said, when the whole period is so against the word, reveal the will of God. Only the word, the anointed word can reveal the will of God. You'll find out in the last age that the people, it was become a soul mixed together. And it come to it at a point, you literally cannot even say, who's a believer, who's a not believer? I do understand we're not supposed to judge who is a believer and who is not a believer. But on the other hand, we must discern what is the true believer and what is the false believer. Because if we don't design that, how are you going to know you are a true believer? Because you're just mixing it around. How do you know what the true believer is? The true believer is always receiving and follow the word to reveal the will of God. Only the word will reveal the will of God. And in your life, we're made for the rapture. We're made for to the going to have the body change. We're not to just go and coming down in this earth, try to be a good citizen, try to be good to everybody, try to let everybody like us, everybody love us. That's not our responsibility. That's not our duty for that. Our duty have only one thing, follow God's word. And God's word reveal His will to us. Anything else is secondary. We're not trying to make everybody happy. We're not trying to make everybody that he prays you. We only have one responsibility. That God added him along. And you look at the scripture that we just read. uh, We just read. And in there they're talking about a woman. 
that a, that a prophet of Jose, and the Lord asked her, that a prophet said, uh, he said, go again, go yet to love, to love a woman that a beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. There was no age like this age with so much adulteress. They're mixing it around. You talk about it in the world, and you talk about it spiritually as well. That in the church, and in the doctrines, and the different things. This is the age to discern what is right and what is wrong. I know sometimes this is hard. It's hard on you, and it's hard on me too. But no matter how hard it is, yet it is still the truth. God required of us to be a faithful follower of Him. There's a too many wishy-washy that are in this age. Too many lovey-dovey that are in this age. But God called that as adultery. He called that as, that as this is an adulterous age. That the people beside their husband, their heads and the other husbands. There's only one husband that the person needs to have. And that's the Jesus Christ. And if I make it as more personal, this is the... The Christ of Jesus, that's the revealed word in this hour. That we're only responsible for this, none others. Nothing else is more important than this. This is the age that we need to be pure. This is the age that we need to only consider of the feeling of our Lord Jesus Christ, not feeling of anybody else. You might hear a lot of things, you might hear a lot of words, and this and that, that is to follow true to this. This is the rapture in time. We're already come to the time, to this last age, this is the last moment of it. If there isn't any time, if there isn't any age that we say that the rapture is on the hand, that the body changes on the hand, this is the time that we're facing at. If we do believe this, that's to forsake anything else, everything else, that's to follow through this one. But does God have a cure that for this age? Does God have a cure for this adulterous age? As the Bible was just telling about this woman, and she's adulterous, and in the first chapter first, and even the Lord said to the Jose, said, go to take a woman, and that is adultery. And here, this is the second time, he said, go, the Lord said, go to love a woman. That is the beloved of her friend, but yet is an adulteress. I'm thinking about what a love of God that is. Have you ever thinking about to take a woman that is adulterous is already hard. How can you love adulteress? To take an adulteress is already hard enough. How to love an adulteress? Remember, I'm talking about that if a man ever hugged a woman, embraced her, that woman left it a print that on this man's bosom, there was no one can fit that printed anymore. How can a holy, let's say, how can a holy man, if a man live a holy life, 
that a no, this woman is adultery. How can he take her? You know, let alone to take her, how can, let alone a lover, how can the man even to take her? But God said to the prophet, to love an adulterous woman. You can take it a woman without loving her. You can take her and leave her aside and put her out of the way. You can just leave her on a marriage life, just leave her, leave her with her. And day by day, year by year, and you can do it. But how can you love when you know that a woman has committed adultery? When you know that a woman will never be faithful. It is not a trustworthy. He's a, she's running around. You take her to the back. She might be running around to another time. She might be running away from you at another time. How can you to love her? But the Lord said to the prophet, to love an adulterous woman. According to the love of God. Only the prophet will has the love of God. No other man could can have this love of God. The Lord said to Jose, to love a woman according to the love of God. The love of God will show, shine upon or show to the prophet. Why the, the prophet has the word of God. That is the, what is the word will come upon the prophet. When God gave it to the prophet of the word, it's not just a flogging, it's not just a whipping. But God gave it to the prophet the word of the love of God to them. When the word of God threw it into the prophet and it come to us, God literally showed his love that to us. Only the prophet will possess this type of a word. No others will possess this type of a word. In the breach, Brother Bramah said, he said, in the Bible, in the book of Ruth, as you read it, you will find out that such a person was called the Goel. G-O-E-L was called the Goel. Oh, he was a person that couldn't meet the requirement. He said that the Goel must be able to do it and must be willing to do it and must be a kinsman next to kinsman to do it. If we said that the Christ is the Goel, is the kinsman redeemer, then it possess the first that he must be able to do it. And then he must be willing to do it. And he also has to be a kinsman. You know, we never doubted that God has a power. We know God created a universe. We know God created a heaven and earth, moons, suns, galaxy, galaxies, everything. Does God have a power? Of course God has a power. Then it made all the animals and then everything. God had a power to tear down the country. God has the power to, um, just by spoken word, He can make it as the earth literally uh, disappear. He can just by the speaking word, he poking his hand, the devil's is gone. God has a power. I don't think we ever doubt God has a power. 
And I don't think we doubt that Jesus Christ is our kinsman either. He become a man. And He's the only one is able to do it. And He's the only one that is our kinsman redeemer. And He died on the cross. So we never doubt it. We don't doubt that He's uh, resurrected. But you know what we doubt? We're doubting the willingness. Because as a kinsman redeemer, He's not only be able... And he's also his kinsman redeemer, but he's also has to be willing to do it. We don't doubt his power, but I wonder sometime if we doubt it, does he will do that? Is he willing to redeem us? Is he willing to redeem it? Is he willing to come upon my situation? You know when Brother Branham, he was a uh, when he uh, in the most difficult time that he ever had. He lost his wife. And he lost uh, his daughter. And then while he was uh, going through the roughest time that he ever had, he was asking the Lord, he said, Lord, don't take my baby away. The little Sharon. He said, I can bear that you take my wife, but Lord, don't take my little Sharon away. That little young, young, uh, little baby, only uh, I think six months or seven months old. It was the most adorable, cutest time that it ever and then she uh, she got a meningitis, and then uh, even though uh, she was so painful that her eyes even crossed. When the prophet looked at that, she, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, don't take my baby away. And it seems like there is a black curtain dropped down. And so the Lord doesn't even answer to him. And he said, uh, if the Lord doesn't answer to him, he said, then Satan starts to come in. To talk to him. And Brother Raymond said he can't tell. Brother Raymond said the Lord he doesn't exist. But he tried to tell him. Yes the Lord is a powerful. Yes the Lord exists. But he doesn't care about you. In another word he's able. He can do a lot of things. But he's not willing to come to your situation. He can help the other people. He can heal the other person. He can just he can just move his finger, then you will be finished. You will be all your trials will be done, all your long battling, fighting will be over, all your retarded disease will be over, all your chronic disease will be finished. But he's not willing. You're not doubting that he's able to do it. Of course, he's able to heal the cancer. We saw that. Of course he's able to come on a situation to deliver a person right out of that. We saw that time after time. But the devil coming down said, he's not willing to do your situation. He's a kingsman redeemer. He's a lovable God. He's a nail on the cross. He's a resurrected. Yes. But not on your situation. Your situation is too impossible. Your disease is too big for him. And you make it too many sins. You deserve what you're right now to have. I know that doesn't sound like a good English. He might be, the, he might be kind of pointing you many or back. Many things that you've been facing. Many things that you haven't went through. The mistakes you haven't made. The self-inflicted of the pain that you had had. 
The things you need to do, but you never done that. He can point you all the back and to explain to you why God is not willing to be your kinsman redeemer. He can do all of that. He done that to the prophet. It's not a strange that he can do you too. I want a prophet who's on the little boat. Then he said he got a many, he got a lot of time to think about what he done. He got a lot of time to thinking about, you know, he should go to the Pentecost apostles, but he, he never went into them because God opened the door for him that he can preach the message to them. And that his mother-in-law has said that those abounds of a trash, that he, that because of the mother-in-law's word, that he never go, go to them to bring the gospel to them. That he had many things he was thinking about it. Brother Bram said that in the, he talking about Job. He said as long as Job thinking this is God punishing him, then he is defeated. That's what the devil tried to do to you. Try to do to the prophet. Let him to think this is God to punishing him. But that is not God to punishing him. God is able, He's a kingsman redeemer, He's also willing to do, but He has to do it in His own time, in His own way. When sometime that we cannot explain to the situation, we don't need to explain the situation. All we need to do is like the Job has said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of God. And the prophet did the same thing. When he was thinking about all of that, and the devil started coming down to let him reason away, let him explain it away. He said, and all the reasoning started to broken away. All the imagination, all the senses, it doesn't even make sense. Why, Lord, it doesn't come on a situation. But when it hit you to the bottom, when it hit you to the point of no return, there is a born again experience for a person. And then at the bottom of the heart, and something rises up, then it said, the Lord gave us, the Lord take us away. Blessed be the name of God. Where your reasoning cannot go any further. Where your imagination comes to an end. Where your love comes to an end. Where your affection, when everything else comes to an end, that hits you the point of no return. That is the point of your born again experience. That you stay down there, Lord, I still believe you. No matter what situation is, no matter what happens to my life, but I cannot deny that experience that I have. That is the point of a no return. When you hit that, you are a true Christian. Your life is not how good you are. Your life is not how wonderful you can be. How lovable you are. How you can love your neighbor. How you can do this. Your love is the one in the trial. In the difficulty. In the things that will come true to it. That you still follow through the words that are said. It's in those times your faith to rise it up. To take the word, the word of God has said, not your reasoning, not your imagination, not anybody else has said, but your faith will follow us through. Amen. Amen. I think about the prophet, even when he goes through that, after he said it, 
Let the Lord take his, his little Sharon in a way. Even he said to the Lord to take his. Even he said the Lord to give us the Lord to take his. But it doesn't mean that is a testimony that it go all the way through. It doesn't mean that that is a, the trial is over. That everything was up, becomes smooth for him. No. Right after that, the emotional realms are still playing. He still have affection. He still have a love. He still have a reason. He still have a, all this is mind battling. Just like all we have. And it come to the point he cannot handle this any longer. He pulled off his glove in a high voltage. And he should put his hand to the high voltage electrical line. And before he know it, he was sitting on the floor. He's sitting on the ground. Just sweated all through. The Lord keeps him. When he was coming to the little room there, with the frost on the window, and there was a, just, just a little stove in the room, and there was a letter coming in, and it's for his little daughter Sharon. And when it opened it up, he said all things was to come back at it again. Just flooded over it again. Then he said, Lord, I hate to be a coward, but I can't take it any longer. Then he'd take out with his gun, and the pull of the trigger, and this gun doesn't sound, doesn't fire. God keep it in him. It's not he keep it in himself. Oh, it is the reasonings of breaking away. Oh, it was the imagination. Everything was broken away. But that born again experience can never deceive him. That born again experience can never, can never get a, get a, get out of him. Though he hit it at the bottom of his, his whole life, but there is a something rise it up to keep that a prophet. You'll find out that that's the only thing that will keep it in you. Amen. Satan always tried to reason with a person. He wouldn't let you, you wouldn't doubt it about his power, but he will let you doubt if God, for your case, if He's willing to do. But God is a love. How that a love can go even to a, such an extreme. You know, love is a, such a power that it has a, the power of abiding, it has a power of His dream. When in the Garden of Eden, when is Adam and then the Eve, when the, their children has fallen, when God's children has fallen, it's the love that constrained him to go down to provide the lamb for them. But Abraham said, he said, but God's law received a substitute. He said, what if God had not offered to take a substitute, but love constrained him to do it? That man was without a way back, and there's no way for him to get back. He has, he was gone. But the grace of God met his kinsman redeemer in the person of Jesus Christ. Law required it. Grace met his requirement. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet that song. It's the love of God that had provided the sacrifice. And it's the scripture. When is the book of Jose? The Lord tells the prophet to do. 
to love this person that who's committed adultery. That shows how, what a tremendous love that God is. It's not that how love that the prophet had. The prophet is just as a man. But what is he doing is reflected in the love of God. Amen. Through this, this ministry, that this ministry that God has sent it to our this age, they also reflected the love of God that it to his bride. By the word of God that we heard, it doesn't show anything else, but shows that the love of God has been provided a sacrifice for us. The bleeding word, that's the sacrifice that the Lord has given to us. And you thinking of this woman, that the Bible said that his uh, beloved of her friends, yet adulterous. But God said to love her according to the love of the Lord, that is toward Israel. You can think of how low this woman has gone down to. The prophet of Jose didn't marry this woman, but he bought this woman. And this woman is not just some father and then you go to uh, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, pay a dowry and uh, uh, just uh, uh, married at her. The Bible said in chapter 3, verse 2, says, So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver, for then a homer of a barley, and then a half homer of a barley. This woman is actually, is a slave. We don't know how down... Uh, he degraded her, she degraded herself to the, such a degree that she become a slave. And uh, she lived a, such a horrible life. But God said to the, the prophet, He said, go to love her. And to the ultimate love that the prophet has to show to her, and he bought her. You think of this woman, she, for a slave, a slave is probably gonna worse about a 30 piece of a silver. But this woman, for 15 piece of a silver, that's only about a half slave of the price. How low that she has been going there. Then I think about how low sometime that we can go there. It seems like it's so low that even the, even the devil probably don't give it a, uh, give up hope on you. The situation becomes so impossible. It seems like there's no way for real that you can be a, uh, get any better. It seems like I lost the hope totally. But no matter what the hopeless situation that is, but God is still sent to the word to this age that in that word that still contains the love of God. When God sends the love to you, when sends the word to you, it's in that word that contains the love will bought us back. No matter how low that we, how impossible the situation is, but God is still God have mercy. God is still that God has a love. That is still by His word, if He promised you that He will bought you back. And then the Bible said, He said, with the love of God, 
He said, you two love her. It's not a use of law to bind her. It's not a use to create her doctrine, try to governing her. It's not just a knowledge, try to educate her. But it was the love of a God to buy her back. As I said in the beginning, how can a person trust this woman? If it's just by the human's love, human's love will come to an end. How can he, he trust this woman? She might be running away again. She's not a trustworthy. But you know, the prophets possess the things that the, the normal people doesn't possess. The prophet is the what is the word of a God has to come out upon him. What is the hold of the to the bride? The prophet has uh, passed away. What holds of the bride is the message that what we have. It's the word of a God that God has given to us through the ministry of the prophet. Nothing else will hold us. Nothing else will keep us. Only the word in this hour can keep us. If we ever leave this word, we leave the only keeping power that what we have. If we ever deviated a little bit from the word, we literally deviated from the love of God. There's nothing going to keep you anymore. When he's a, when the prophets show the love of the God, how he showed it, he went to buy this woman. Then this woman that it belongs to him. Then it become a personal property that it belongs to the Jose, the prophet. That's why when God bought us, that shows his ultimate love to us. Amen. What he is surprised that he, he used to bought us is not just a 15 piece of a silver, but he used his own life to bought us. Amen. What is his own life? His own word, that is his own life. If we said, what is the word, what is the life of a God? Life of a God contains in the word of a God. If we say, where's the life of God? Where's the word of God? If we saw where's the word in this message of this hour, that's contents of the only life that it have. Without the word in this hour, you won't have a life. Because God gave us the word, it's called the bleeding, bloody word, that in this hour, in an invisible union. Only in this word of God, that contents of the life of Christ Jesus. Anything besides this is only a shell. It's only just something that is a, maybe just to look at, but there's a no true life in it. If there's a no life in it, how can you live a life? Only by receiving the word, you receive the life, and then the life will live in you, live in me, that will live it automatically. And this prophet has bought this woman that to, to him. And in the kinsman redeemer, the prophet said, is that a man's done something wrong? So his master sold him into slavery, actually unto death. And he's in the market. He's a slave. But a man comes along, a worthy man that's able to do it and find this man and finds grace in his side. He redeems him. That's take him from the slave market and takes him out to himself. 
Notice, and that slave, once redeemed, can never be sold in the market again. He said, Amen, can never be sold again. He is marked, and if he is sought enough of a one time to be redeemed, no one can ever sell him again for a slave. When a prophet did above this woman, this woman cannot be sold at it again. Once the Lord has bought us, then we cannot be sold at it anymore. If He sold it about you enough to buy you from the market, then you become His own property. Then you become His personal property. No demon, no devil can sell you it again. You're not a slave anymore. No matter what situation that is, you're not a slave under the situation anymore. No habit can control you anymore. No depression can control you anymore. No sickness can control you anymore. No sin that's powerful enough can control you anymore. You're not a slave to them anymore. Why? Because they're thinking enough of you one time. Hey, by you, those things cannot to drive you back to the situation again. The result of his love is that Christ paid the ultimate price that he bought you. Sometimes the situation becomes so impossible. The devil might think that he has a total security, that you have no way to escape him. But the Lord has the power, not only had the power, but he is willing to do it. But we have to remember God doing things in His own way. He redeemed us in His own time. He come on a situation in His own time. Sometime you might run. Sometime you might hide. Sometime you sold yourself to the world. But God has to send this word down. This word is the only thing that can buy you back. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to yield yourself to receive what He said. For healing, for anything, for whatever situation that is. Let me read out of one quote over here. Brother Bram said to look at the unseen. He said, if there ever was a time that a church needs to step across the line which separates you between faith and unbeliever by sight and looking at the unseen by faith, it is now. That's why you leave everything behind you, every care, every weary, everything that says that you can be a Christian. Said, I've smoked too long. I've drank too long. Brother Bram, I'm living in adultery too long. I don't care what you say and what you have done. Though your sins be as a scarlet, you once passed out a line of a barrier of the devil try to torment you. See, you can do it. You can do it. See, I can do it. For Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come and drink from the water of the fountain of life freely. He didn't say, Murphy, I will save you. 
Or he can, I'll save you. Or Jeb, I will save you. He said, whoever will. That is has more power than he said, hey, point to your name, I will save you. That means that whoever wants to come, let him come. I'm not referring to any of you. No matter what sin you are, no matter what the situation you are, no matter how bad you think that you were, but whoever will, let him come. As long as you have a will, I already, God said, I already will to do this. I will to save you. I will to, I'm able to save you. And I'm willing to save you. The only thing is, do you will to be saved? And do you will to be healed? Do you will to be delivered from your situation? Instead of you being to the doctors, you've done everything, and still death stays at your door. When you get to a place to where you say, I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the scientific world said. Jesus Christ made a promise to me. And pass that barrier of a vibration to your soul that you are free and there is not one thing to shake you. You will sail into your healing just as certain I'm standing at his pulpit. He said you will never turn to look at that way no more. Not only healing physically, mentally as well. That we hear so many that about that the people there want to commit a suicide. They're in a depression. They're in this and in that. Let me give you one cure. It's not go to the psychologist. It's not even by a lot of a preaching. It's by one moment before God, you have your soul willing to say, Lord, I want to be delivered. I know you're able. I know you're willing. I know you're my king's my redeemer. And I will to be delivered. Just one moment, you're serious before God. God will come on the same day. Devil is a tormentor. It torments your body by sickness. It torments your spirit by all the five senses that you have. Brother Branham said, He cannot torment your soul. He said, The devil means a tormentor. Not tormenting your soul. He said, You are free from that by your gospel preacher and the word of God. When you receive the word, though devil can torment your body, though devil can torment your mind, but he can never torment your soul. In that soul you believe the word. And that is the point of a no return. Whenever devil to try to do it again, try to torment you, there is something that is in you, just like what God has did to the prophet. Then when the devil try to come to the bottom of that, then if something rise up from that, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of God. If your soul received the word of God, receive what is the promise of God has said, no devil can go down to your soul, can torment you. All you need to do, just in your heart, say, Lord, I believe your promise has said. And Satan, you gave away to the promise of God.
Why we have to go through what we go through? I'm finishing it over here. All the things that we went through. If we believe a word of gene of God, if we believe a word of germ of God, which Brother Branham said, invisible union, he said, your germ in the beginning finds you. And he said, the germ in the beginning take a hold. That in you, right now, in this time, in your body, what you can sit over here, you're listening to the word, you're receiving the word, is because your gene has found you. Your germ that in the beginning has to find you. And that germ has to take on hold of you. But why are we going through the things we're going through? I remember the story that a brother Tim Pruitt was told, uh, told us uh, quite a few years ago when I was in China. And in one of the meetings, That he said that uh, he related a story. He said at one time, there was a little boy. The little boy made a sailboat. Let a musician come. And this little boy made a sailboat, and he really loved the little sailboat that he had. He spent a lot of time, made it, he spent a lot of time, he played with it. And one day, and he went to a little a river, a creek, and it put his a little sailboat there on the water. And the little sailboat, and he was looking at it, he was really enjoying it. But then the little wind carried the little sailboat away from him. And he got a no chance to get a, the sailboat back. And he lost the little sailboat. And he was so sad. And he was to try to find it and nowhere that he can find it. And one day, this little boy, that's many days has passed, this little boy went to town. And he went to a little shop there. And all of a sudden, that he saw that his little sailboat, that on the window of the shop there. I had a look at, a look at that. And actually, that shop is a pawn shop. And I look at that little boat, that he really loved that little boat. Then he go back home. And then he gather all his coins, he gather all his money. And he run to that, uh, the pawn shop. And he asked uh, the boss of the pawn shop, said, how much would those cost? And then the pawn shop, they gave him the price. Then he bought this little boat. And when he bought this little boat back, then he hold his little sailboat in his bosom. Then he said, I will never lose you anymore. He said, you belong me once, now you belong to me twice. You used to be mine, now you belong to me double time. In another word, you double belongs to me. I was quite touched by that little story that he was told. I was thinking, yeah, we belong to God. We're the germ of God. We're the gene of God. But one day, we drop into the time. We dropped into this body. We call this a pawn shop of Satan. But you know Christ is coming along. He's a merciful God. 
He leave his glory, and he come down to this pawn shop, this world, and he paid ultimate price, and he bought us back. Now you are not only belongs to him once, but you belongs to him twice. You double belongs to him. We were gene of God. We were the germ of God. But God put that gene, put that germ that into this body. And this body gave me so much problem. And that body gave you so much problem. We live in this world. The world is considered the insane. The world is crazy. The world has done so much harm to us. But God put that germ that into this body. And He paid the ultimate price. He buy you back. That germ is in you. It's overcoming power. That germ is in you. It's not just to try to let you escape with the skin of your teeth. That germ is coming to let you be triumphant. Leave this world. And it paid at a price. You're not, it belongs to Satan anymore. That if you, he bought you from the, from the stable market. Then if you, he bought you from the stable market, you will never be, go back to the stable market again. The reason that he has to buy you is because that you will never be go back to the stable market again. The reason he sent the word to us in this hour to purchase our back, to say that you belongs to him forever because he double owns you. When he double owns you, devil can never take you out of the God's grip. But the Bible said you are sealed in there. He said, you are beneath the blood. You don't go out no more. And then, which are you? God's son in God's family. Sealed in by the Holy Spirit. The devil couldn't get you if he had to. For you are dead. Your old husband's part is dead. And you are buried. And your life is hid in God through Christ. And sealed by the Holy Ghost. How is he going to get you? Devil have no way to get you. You doesn't belong to him. You are a gene of God. You are a germ of God. And that's why you can receive the word. And not only that, even when you are in the pawn shop in this world, in this body, he sent it as the word, he sent it as the blood, he redeemed you back to him. We were redeemed before the foundation of the world already. In the Lamb's Book of Life. But now he come on this earth, redeeming us from the pawn shop again. That shows God a double redeeming us. We belong to him doubly. No devil can take you out back to the world again. He take us out of the world. You don't belong to Satan. You belong to him. Then he said, how he is going to get you? And then he said, how are you going to get out? It's that you are there in the blood. It's not only just devil cannot get you. You cannot even get it out of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us stand. He said, an infinite God who saves you here, knowing he's going to lose you next week or next month or next year, well, if he's doing that, he's defeating the very purpose. He can't lose you. He that is born of a God does not commit sin. For the seed of a God remains in him and he cannot sin. 
There's no believer can disbelieve the word of God. If God cared you enough, then He paid ultimately the price to redeem you. And He redeemed you out of the pawn shop. He redeemed you out of the slave market. No Satan can take you back to the slave market again. If God sent that out of the prophet Jose, He said to go to you. First He said to go to take a woman. And the, but then he said to go to you, love for the woman. No matter how adulterous, no matter how was the background of this woman is. But when the prophet that paid a price to buy her, to buy her back, all her background has been cleaned it away. He's not adulterous anymore. He abides only for the prophet of the Jose. You're not an adulteress anymore. You are the virgin bought to the Christ, the Jesus, that is the bride of Jesus Christ. Then you will never be go back to the slave market again. Even sometime in the reasoning, the different things that try to, that in your mind, that try to take you back. But don't listen to the light of the Satan. When you are redeemed, he will never going to be able to take you back to the slave market. You are the redeemer of God. You belong to him once, you belong to him twice. Even in this sinful world, that God double owns you. Nobody can take you out of his hand. Let us bow our head. Is there any situation that is too hard for us? Have we come into the point that we lost the direction? Have we doubted the willingness of our kinsman redeemer? We might say, Lord, we will never doubt you are able. You have a power. I witness your power. You have a power to create. You have a power to heal. You have a power to deliver. But Lord, sometimes just my situation, it seems like a, just day after day, months after months, Seems like the Lord it doesn't come on the situation. You know God is His will. If He can save one, He will save another on the same base. If He can deliver one, He can deliver another on the same base. If He can heal one, He can heal another on the same base. No matter what situation that you are in, no matter how impossible. It seems like situation that is, but God is not only just the God of able, but God is also willing. But He's doing it in His time. He already paid that ultimate price for your healing. He paid ultimate price for your deliverance for everything that is in your situation, that in your life. All things that you need to do to do is just yield yourself to Him. Just yield yourself to the promise of God has said. If he said it by his stripes that you are healed, Lord, I believe it. No matter take it how long, no matter take it what manner, what medication or or the doctor or whatever that are the way that God do, but Lord, I believe you are the healer. No matter what situation that you're in, Lord, I know that you are the one that can deliver me. Our dear heavenly Father, Lord, we believe you, Lord. Lord, we believe in what Your Word has said. Lord, You said by Your stripes that we were by Your stripes that we were healed. 
Lord, you said you come to let a captive free. You come to deliver to the people that have been bound. Lord, our faith tonight will rise up to take a hold of the promise of God. Lord, regardless of what situation they are, Lord, regardless how impossible seems like, but Lord, your word is the truth, Lord. If you haven't paid a price for our deliverance, you haven't paid a price for our healing, Lord, we claim every one of them. Lord, we claim the healing of our brother Paul neighbor. We claim the healing of our brother Louisa Diaz. We claim the healing of our sister Helen Bilzerberger. Lord, we claim the healing of our brother Hugh Message. Lord, many unspoken requests. Lord, they cannot even speak it behind this pulpit. But Lord, we claim every one of them, Lord. You have paid all the matter price. We don't need to pay that again. Just like that adulterous woman, she doesn't need to pay the price. She has no ability to pay any price. She has so degraded down to even to a slave, even a half slave. But Lord, you send it to the prophet. That prophet has the seed word of God. Lord, this prophet has the seed word of God. Lord, you send the word to this age. All our deliverance is laid in the word of God. Oh God, we claim every one of them we just mentioned. We claim every one that is not even declared behind the pulpit. Don't even they're not in this church. Maybe in their home. Maybe not in their ought to be situation. But by the grace of God, by the promise of God, we claim every one of them, Lord. We believe what your word has said. We don't believe the situation said. We don't believe the doctor said. We don't believe what man said. But we believe this God has said. We thank you, Lord. Lord, you are the one that delivers us. Lord, let you let your Holy Ghost carry this good news that to the hearts of your children, Lord. So that they are not be bound by the situation anymore. They're not bound by their doubt. They're not bound by their depression. They're not bound by the suspicious. But Lord, they only belongs to you because you ever purchased them out of the slave market. We thank you, Lord. We give all the glory to you. Oh God, only you can come on the scene. Lord, we believe this is already done. It's not something that is in the future. But Lord, this has already happened because your word has successful. Lord, we give you all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we sing, I'm a redeemed, the body body with a price?
We're not redeemed by any man, but we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thinking of how, what a power that's in that blood. And I'll say that again, what a power in this word of God in this hour. Would you mind I share a little testimony? I know I've been holding you for a long time. But just give me a few minutes. I want to share this. And it was just such so, so tremendous to me. And other brother in China just sent me a little video. And I was at a woman there. It was a sister. That she was paralyzed for three years. And because there was, a, I think, either stroke or whatever, that she cannot walk. She has to be on the wheelchair, on the stake. And then a uh, brother, brother LV, and it just filled ads up, um, and it sent a message, uh, tape, uh, uh, not tape, but MP3, uh, the player, that it to her. She belongs to the denomination. And uh, the sister, and uh, well, after she received it, brother LV told him, said, so you go to listen to it. He said, this word has a power in it. This word has a redemption in it. This word has anything that you need it. If you can believe it. And she cannot even talk. Because she was totally paralyzed. And now after she started to listen. Day in, day it out. Day it in, day it out. And then gradually, as she started moving her hand. And gradually, she started moving her feet. And then she sent me, and the brother Elvis sent me a little video. That woman started walking. Just a few weeks ago. And she was so happy. She walking to the door, and she walking back. And she walking out again, and she walking out of the house. She walking on the street. She was praising the Lord. What is that? There's a power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a power in the word of God in this hour. This lady just belongs to the denomination claiming she is a Christian. But only when the word of God come to let her know I'm not to the real Christian. But this one got her Christ in it. I want to believe this one. And once you receive it, just by the simple faith, then the Lord starts you moving in her. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. Then the Lord of, then the word of God is taking a full control. If you can do the same thing, my brothers and my sister, the healing might come in the process. The deliverance might come at any time. But when you start to listening to it, day in, day out, believing to it, yield yourself to it, you will find out that a little stone that in that mountain starts moving. Don't let the devil lie to you. It's the wind did that. Even it's the wind, God sent out a wind to move that little sand. And you believe day in, day out. You will find out your fingers start to move. Your feet start to move. Before you know, you walk on the road, the avenue of glory and hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. Shake hands with the fellow walker with you on this uh, uh, holiness of a journey. Sorry for my English, but the Lord will bless you. And uh, I love you. But above all, the Lord will love you the most. May the Lord bless you. Be with you.